0: Welcome to the official podcast of the WCD. We are just now two months away from the World Congress of Dermatology, which will be held in Singapore in July. I am Dr. Etienne Wang from the National Skin Centre of Singapore, and I will be a host for this podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. In this podcast, I speak with dermatologists and skin researchers from all over the world to talk about all things dermatology, and today my co-host Sachin is back for another topic for discussion. Sashin, what do you have us today?
1: Hi, Tien. uh Nice to be back after a while. Um, so today I have this really exciting uh, paper that was actually it actually made the headlines recently. It was from uh, New York University. It was published in Nature, and it was titled De-Differentiation Maintains Melanocyte Stem Cells in a Dynamic Niche. This was by uh, Sun and colleagues. It basically advanced our understanding of how melanocyte stem cells actually work to color hair. I mean, I always knew that it was... Uh, melanin that gave hair its pigment but didn't realize that uh, it was such a dynamic process where these s- stem cells have actually have to have these signals to produce melanin so to give you to, to to simplify what the study showed the human human hair follicle has these melanocyte stem cells or mcscs this new study actually shows that these stem cells the melanocyte stem cells are actually remarkably plastic it's almost like they're riding a train so During normal hair growth, these cells would move back and forth on this axis of maturity between immature and mature. And interestingly, even different physical locations within the hair follicle determine how much signals they are exposed to and downstream, you know, how much um, pigment they ultimately produce. Uh, so I thought that was fascinating for starters.
0: Yes, yeah, so I think the interesting thing about this paper is that it really challenges the idea of how we think stem cells behave, right? Because initially we, th- we used to think that stem cells came from, for example, if you talk about the interfollicular epidermis, the stem cells come from the basement epidermis and then they differentiate and then they disappear after that, right? And I think that's how we thought pigment cells used to work in the hair as well. The hair follicle melanocyte stem cells would be in the bulge and when they um, differentiate they go into the hair matrix and disappear off after that and it's this long lasting population in the bulge that will replenish the melanocytes throughout your life and when your hair greys the initial dogma was that this long living bulge melanocyte stem cells were depleted but now we've learned that these bulge stem cells actually are replenished from their progeny <laughs> which is very different and I don't think that's been actually um, described in any other stem cell population right so um, I think this really leads us to think about how we can actually prevent greying because we, we never knew that we could prevent greying we used to think that oh you, you have a bunch of of stem cells and once they're gone, they're gone. But now we know that if we can somehow direct the progeny to go back to the bulge, we can actually maintain hair colour.
1: Exactly. It really gets you thinking about how the ageing process actually works in um, greying hair. You you almost feel like stretching this out or extrapolating this out into other areas because, for example, in vitiligo, other areas where pigment is involved, we see patients having uh, perifollicular repigmentation. It actually makes me wonder at some stage, would it even be possible to apply this to other skin conditions and say um, repigmentation of skin, depigmented skin lesions? That's something that's on the cards. It talks about this chameleon like function of our skin as being able to, you know, dynamically move between these two states. Uh, when they talk about reprogramming, they say not just preventing graze, but even reversing. And I think that's that that would be a huge breakthrough.
0: Yes, I think there are some anecdotal reports of people trying some supplements or some antioxidants or even like chemotherapy or something that somehow jumpstarts your stem cells that they actually experience uh, their hairs going from white or grey to black or darker colours again. So I think there is something that we really do not understand about the behaviour of melanocyte stem cells and their progeny at the moment. And I think a lot of this actually has come about because of very new techniques. Uh, do, Do you know which of these techniques in this paper are particularly new and and why they're so exciting?
1: I think what, one I thought that was interesting was uh, how they actually located the stem cells in different areas of the hair follicle.
0: Yeah, so of course, this is a new technique called intravital imaging, where you can actually observe the behavior of stem cells in the living animal. Uh, the,
1: the 3D intravital imaging, right? Yes, yes. yes the
0: yes. 3D intravital imaging. So, so this is a technique developed by Valentina Greco in her laboratory and I think uh, uh, Mayumi Ito's lab who did this paper, is really employed these techniques to observe the melanocyte stem cells, both in the bulge and in the matrix and in the hair germ and how they actually toggled back and forth between long living and um, rapidly differentiating. So I think when you apply this to other stem cell compartments, we might actually see this happening in a lot more tissues than we think. This really upends how we seize stem cells and how we actually can approach regenerative medicine in the future
1: definitely and i think that's the first time they've actually shown in real time right like tracking cells moving almost in real time.
0: They've actually been doing this with keratinocytes themselves for the last five years. So they have actually seen how hair follicles grow, how the uh, keratinocytes in the epidermis actually behave during wound healing. All this has been actually quite exciting in the last few years. But All I right. think this is one of the first times they've actually shown the stem themselves doing this.
1: Oh, impressive.
0: Okay, well, okay, thank you. That was very exciting. And I think we hope to maybe hear them present this at the World Congress.
1: Definitely, looking forward to that. Yes, okay, well, thank you, Shashin. All right, thank you very much. Okay, I'll
0: speak to you next time. Yep,
1: take care. Okay,
0: Bye. bye. now I'd like to welcome to the podcast Dr. Sandra Lee. Dr. Lee is a board-certified dermatologist and a cosmetic and most dermatologic surgeon. She's also known as Dr. Pimple Popper with more than 7 million subscribers on YouTube and over a billion views on her content, which includes most of our routine dermatology procedures. She's also the author of the book Put Your Best Face Forward, The Ultimate Guide to Skin Care from Acne to Anti-Aging and she's also the star of her own reality TV show on American cable channel TLC, which is now in its ninth season. <laughs> Congratulations Congratulations to your success, Andre, and thank you for coming on the podcast.
2: Wow, thank you so much for such a wonderful introduction. I'm very excited <laughs> to be here. I don't know if you know this, but you know that I am my family is from Singapore.
0: Yes, yes. I did learn that your father was uh, from Singapore. Have you ever been to Singapore?
2: Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Um, a few, Quite a few times. Most of our families still live. And my father's side of it is from Singapore. My mom is from Malaysia.
0: I assume you'll be very excited to come to WCD in a couple of months.
2: Yes, I'm very excited because it's been a while before since we've been there because uh, actually my parents are coming too. And, uh, you know, they haven't been back since all of this craziness happened in the world. So, you know, they're looking forward to it. And I am too. I haven't seen everybody in quite a while.
0: Wow, that's great. Can you just uh, tell us how this journey to becoming a social media sensation started for you?
2: Well, it has been quite a whirlwind. And I don't think it's really what I sort of expected. But um, it, it all really started back in uh, 2016 or so. And I just started to post um, things on Instagram. And I thought, why don't I start a page about my, you know, about my work as a dermatologist. And I happened to in the beginning post a blackhead extraction, I don't usually do that. As you know, we dermatologists don't usually extract blackheads. Um, but um, I happened to videotape one and I noticed an increase in attention. And I thought it was very strange. So I just did it again and it happened again. And, and lo and behold, it saw that there was this thing that people were interested in and I just kept posting and posting and, and it grew. And I could say all from that one single post it grew to, to this level here. So it's been quite crazy. So just to happen to wow. be a lot of lucky events, I feel like, or, you know, all the planets aligning.
0: Why do you think we are so fascinated with pimple popping? Do you think you've ever answered the question for yourself?
2: Uh, I, yes, I actually joke that I, well, I myself am not a, we call them popaholics. Uh, I myself am not one, but I have become one, certainly because I recognize why people like it. And I think that's part of why maybe my success in creating this too, is because I recognize what people liked about it and tried to play, you know, tried to emphasize that more. Um, And I think I remember one time I was editing one of my videos, uh, a blackhead extraction that was quite, I don't know, interesting on this gentleman's forehead. And I caught myself watching a part of the video over and over again just because it was so good. And that's strange, right? I got, I kind of got a little feeling of why people like it. It's very, there's multiple reasons. Mainly, in general, it's interesting because it makes people happy which you would find strange, but it, it relaxes people. People watch them as bedtime stories, as uh, help them sleep at night after a stressful day. They like the closure that you get. You, you, you're removing something that isn't supposed to be there. Or also people really like it because it sort of is like a whole storyline. Like, you know, you have some negativity, you have some conflict, and then you have a resolution in the end when things are back in their place, uh, some people like it because it's like watching a scary movie or like riding a roller coaster. Also, maybe my voice. People said that, you know, many of my early videos, people don't know what I look like. They just heard my voice. And I speak in a very soothing manner to, to kind of calm my patients. And I think people really like that. And they really kind of felt my videos Were a combination of my voice speaking very quietly and soothingly and then um, the videos of these extractions energized them and made them feel good about themselves or good about you know just good in general and then i just think uh education part is also important because uh you know i try to teach people a little bit about their skin and we sort of i say that i sort of trick people into educating them and i think people feel good too that they came away maybe with some new knowledge
0: Yes, I think I agree with everything you said. I did watch um, a couple of seasons of your show on TLC, and I actually found that your bedside manner is amazing. And you know, even at my stage in my career, I was learning actually quite a lot the way that Uh you were uh, managing your patients and the way that you were holding yourself in the operating theater. Do you ever get like residents coming to tell you that they learn from what they see on your shows?
2: Thank Thank you very much. By the way, that means a lot to me. Um, You know, one interesting thing is that I remember I was invited a couple, like maybe a year or two that I've been. Doing this to give a speech at a big a dermatology conference, and I was really pretty nervous because I had not spoken to dermatologists about this per se. You know, and I was concerned how they were going to take me. Really, that was one of the biggest things. And when I started, like, how are, are dermatologists going to really um, feel about what I'm doing? And um, I will say, it was like standing room. I mean, it was packed in there. And I had all these dermatologists come up to me, especially residents saying that they watch my videos before they go in and do a surgery, you know, to sort of psych them up or give them some last minute tips or, and dermatologists telling me that they really like what I do there, that they're happy that I am sort of representing uh, dermatology in general. It makes me feel really good because I don't want to make my patients feel, you know, embarrassed of what they have, what, what I put out there. And I certainly don't want fellow dermatologist to feel like I am you know, making a mockery of our specialty.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you whether you felt like the dermatology community has embraced you and your choice in career, but I think you answered that question and I think it's actually quite great because not all of us can be the same, right? We all yes. do things in different ways and we reach out to our patients from multiple angles. So, you know, mm-hmm. we can t- we can talk to a patient in clinic or we can talk to a patient on a YouTube channel or cable TV <laughs> and it gets, and just make sure it gets the message out to them.
2: I have actually a funny story. So I didn't tell my, my, my husband, my husband who's dermatologist as well and my dad that i was doing this in the beginning when i was posting because i was getting like thousands of views on youtube i started putting things on youtube you know and i started getting all these views and i mm-hmm. was like wow this is like becoming something um and i think the first time i told my dad was when i went viral once i remember instagram i i uh, didn't have i still had notifications on just because every now and then when somebody would you know, subscribe or follow me, I would, it would come up. And my phone, I was at work, and my phone just started flipping. Like, I couldn't even get into it because all these people suddenly started following me and liking me. And I was like, what is going on? And I found out it was because I went viral. And I remember I had dinner with my parents that night. And I told my dad, dad, I went, I got I had a viral video. And my dad was like, what are you talking about? What, what kind of video is this? And I, and I said, dad, it was it was on black head extractions. <laughs> and he was like, what? That's ridiculous. <laughs> He's like, that's the Yeah, soulmate. it's so
0: routine. It's so routine yes. for us. But, you know, for yes. as we as we mentioned, you know, it's this fascination uh, in most people. I, I have a few theories about why it mm-hmm. is. But, Do, have yes. you heard of tripophobia? It's like, yes. the,
2: uh-huh.
0: yeah, it's where people just really have this phobia for holes. Yeah. And I think that's on extreme end of the spectrum. But I think most of us actually have this, it's, we're almost mesmerized when we see, like, holes. <laughs> yeah. Because we're, we're, we're on alert because we're not sure what's going to come out, right? Because it's, yes. it, it might be a parasite, it might be food, it might be something. So we have this kind of, um, we get mesmerized. And then when we do see something come out, there's this, like, resolution, as you mentioned before. So there might be something evolutionary there that I think right. is very interesting. Right. I <laughs> they even say, like,
2: even, like, animals, like, like or, or, like, chimpanzees, or, you know, how we pick at our skin. We sort of have the yeah. same yeah. sort of trait and just... Uh, yeah, it's just uh just fascinating. I sort of tapped into this that I didn't realize was there because I myself wasn't one, and I didn't realize how big of, I, I sort of grew it. And thought, let me see how many people would be into this, and uh, <laughs> you know. And I think the show took it to another level, which was really nice. They really show the patients, they show me, they show really how you know, how we dermatologists do such a wide range of things, you know, Um, we are so much more than just pimple poppers. There are so many different things that we do. And, you know, I just tap into one one area of it and um, and it ended up, you know, me removing some pretty big growths, Uh, fortunately for the patients, unfortunately for me, because I didn't really expect that maybe in my my job, you know, description there, but, but it's been, it's been really wonderful. And, um, you know, it's been a wonderful experience and, you know, it's crazy that this all happened.
0: Yeah, uh, that's not all you do, right? Because in your TV show, you do uh, handle things like rashes and other dermatology yes. conditions as well. Do you still feel the need to create content every day or is it is, is it mostly for your TV show now?
2: I mean, I feel the need to create content every day. Not every day, but, you know, you go through waves of it being sort of uh, frustrating or tiresome. And, you know, it's another job. It's another whole way of thinking, really and um so i do feel the need of it just in as much as you feel the need to go to work every day you know or to mm. to make an income or to you know continue on i i enjoy it in many ways i don't want it to become too much work because then i probably won't be interested in it but i you know i also have this sort of security that i have a day job so i don't you know and also these things come and kind of walk in and in many ways i didn't really have to create new ideas for this content this content could just walk through my door
0: Is the TV crew like at your practice the whole time?
2: Oh no, they they come. No, they they do um while we're taping the season, we tape about four days out of the week. And each day is, is certainly about a little less than an episode. Uh so those days are reserved for just me um taping the show. The office so we tape on the weekends as well, which is when the office is not open, but half of the time the office is open and there are other Um, There are other dermatologists here, you know, seeing patients at the same time. So it gets really busy and hectic. And that's why part of it you'll see, you know, you see in more recent episodes that were outside. You know, part of it was because Mm. of the of COVID and we couldn't go inside for a while. We just were able to take off masks very recently here in California. It's also just opened up a lot of room and space for us to move around. Um, So we finished the sort of the 10th season already. And so we have a break now, which is really lovely for me. And then, um, uh, you know, I do like the interview part, the confessional part, we call it.
0: Mm, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. I went
2: to, I went to Singapore, uh, a few years ago, probably like 2017 or 18, I think. And mm-hmm. I was recognized there as Dr. Pimple Popper, which was so like extra lovely because these are, I feel like, you know, my family almost. And, uh, um, that was, I remember we were at lunch and somebody at the next table recognized us, recognized me. So that was pretty cool. So I know it's like something that certainly is seen in Singapore. The show is seen there.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. People love it here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the name Dr. Pimple Popper? It stuck with you all these years. Have you yes. ever thought of changing it?
2: Um, you know, it's, I think, part it's of why this grew. Yeah. It, it is definitely yeah. catchy and people may not have reco- re- remembered my name or what I did, but that name, you know, with the alliteration and everything, is I think it's very catchy. And um, I, that actually happened a little by accident as well. So, um, you know, of course it's sticking. I'm proud to be Dr. Pimple Popper. I have no problem with that. I'm, I'm proud that these little youngsters come to my office, like eight, nine years old, and they want to meet me because they want to become the next <laughs> one. You know, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, the National Skin Center in Singapore is colloquially known here as the Pimple Palace.
2: Oh, So really? it's got
0: literation there too, <laughs> yeah, by, I, by the young ones. <laughs>
2: oh, I need to go there. Actually, then I should visit there as part of this.
0: What else are you looking forward to on your visit to Singapore?
2: Well, we're going to Malaysia as well, and uh, Singapore. I think we're going to uh, Vietnam. We're gonna go visit Vietnam and uh, Japan on the way home. So it's part of a a family trip. My kids are with us. My one of my kids is graduating college, graduating high school, and he's going off to college to the East Coast. So You know there's a little bit of uh he's leaving us and his last big trip you know um so and my mom is celebrating her 80th birthday so we're gonna have a big celebration in malaysia and in uh, singapore i actually was hoping and maybe if other dermatologists hear this i was hoping i'm making some content out there and i i really kind of want i have an idea of creating another sort of um, uh, show or, 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 you know, some kind of thing either on social media or on television where we're, we're I want to kind of show how, you know, how um, dermatology is the same yet different in different parts of the world, you know, how beauty we perceptions are can be a little bit different, but also very much the same. Um, and how we do things differently. Um, I would mm-hmm. like to be, you know, part of something where you know when they put those giant snails on your face because they feel that there's anti-aging properties in there so i would love to do things like that or just see at people's offices and how they work how they are how, how they're different um than ours and, and also how you know we all sort of go are doing the same sort of thing in, in many ways
0: yeah well, well we'll see we'll see who we can put you in touch with.
2: Right? yeah but i don't know if i have enough time so we'll see <laughs>
0: yeah all right okay so thank you so much for for speaking with me today sandra I th- i've really enjoyed this and i really can't wait to meet you at, at the wcd in july
2: i'm very excited to meet you i look forward to it i hope you're going to be there on the fourth correct so i'll be able to do oh that. yes yes okay, I'll be fantastic. there. i'll be there every day yeah fantastic i'll see you guys there i'm so excited about it i'm so excited about attending the world congress i've not been to any of them so this is my first as well so this is a way for me this is a wonderful way for me to start
0: great great okay thank you
2: thank you very much thank you bye
0: And that was the official podcast of the WCD. We're almost at the WCD. It's only a few months away. And if you haven't registered, please do. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram at WCD 2023 Singapore. And check out the WCD website, wcd2023singapore.org for more updates and content on the WCD. And until next time, stay safe and use sunblock.